This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you, if you would, to turn with me to the book of James this evening, James chapter number three, James chapter number three, and we began some time ago uh, looking at the subject, words matter, words matter, and uh, we've noted some thoughts already, we'll briefly, briefly review those, and then we'll uh, move forward This evening, James chapter 3 and verse number 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And we find here the Bible says in verse number 2, If we can avoid, if we can Refrain from offending in word. We are uh, giving evidence of spiritual maturity. And uh, so he says that if a man can do that, then he is able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which are or which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison therewith bless we God even the father and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God You know, it's quite easy in a setting like this to sing the hymns, Oh, How I Love Jesus. But in our homes and on the highways, when we're dealing with people and the problems that they present to us, are we still singing, Oh, How I Love Jesus and Oh, How I Love My Neighbor? This is the question that is posed for us. And he says in verse number 10, My brethren, these things ought not to be. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He says we bless God, then we curse men, and we forget that these men are made after the similitude of God. They're made in the image of God. And when we speak, Uh, a curse or an angry word or a harsh word or a critical word (coughs) about another. 
We're speaking of someone that God made in his image. Verse 11, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no man both yield both salt water, or no fountain rather, can both yield salt water and fresh. So here we find that James is speaking about the tongue. And he's speaking about the words that we use. He, uh, we understand here that the tongue is a powerful instrument. And the tongue is given to us for the purpose of communication. Uh, we communicate what's in our heart and mind. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. We communicate with our tongue. Our words communicate the thoughts that we have. And when it comes to our communication, God relies upon us and commands us to be uh, faithful in our Christian life and our testimony concerning the words that we speak. And so we've been examining this thought, words matter. We've looked at three main headings so far, the power of our words. We see that our words are powerful. James mentions that here. He talks about the ship, the great ship in the sea, and the fierce winds that drives that ship, but yet that ship can be turned by a very small rudder. He speaks of the powerful horse, and a horse, you know, we measure power uh, by the strength of the horse. We say, how many horsepower do you have? I remember the guy making that commercial, you remember it years ago? He's, he's outside the window or he's got his head outside the window of his truck and he says, does that thing have a Hemi in it? Some of you remember that commercial. By the way, that guy's from Hickory, North Carolina. And uh, so I don't know if that's the kind of guy you want to represent in your town, but he, he is. And so uh, we think about horsepower. Uh, and he says, the horse with all its strength and all its might, it is controlled by the bits in its mouth. He speaks about a fire that is started by just a little spark. And here we find that a little spark has the power to bring great destruction. And so our tongues, our, our words, they matter. We see the power of our words. And by the way, our words can be used for good and should be used for good. Now then we saw the pattern of our words. And we understand that God gives for us in his word a pattern for us to follow. And if we want to know how we should interact and how we should communicate with one another and how we should speak to one another, then we need to get in tune with what God has said to us and what God says to this world. And we need to follow the pattern of sound words. And we need to practice that in our homes uh, that, that, that's some, that sometimes is the place where we practice it the least, but it needs to be a place where we practice it the most. And so the pattern of our words, and we looked at those, or that pattern rather. And then we saw the principles which govern our words. The principles that God gives us in his word which govern our words. Now I want us to look this evening at the ponderings which guide our words, the ponderings uh, which guide our words. In other words, you could put it this way, think before you speak. Has anyone ever said that to you? Think before you speak. 
Have you ever said something and said, well, I didn't really think about that. I should have thought about that. Maybe if I'd thought about it, I, I probably wouldn't have said it or I probably would have said it differently. I, I didn't mean uh, for that to be uh, communicated to that hearer. I should have thought about that before I said it. And so think before you speak the ponderings which guide our words. I want to give you 10 of them this evening. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, throughout the scripture. And so I want to encourage you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. If you're taking notes, I hope you'll write these things down. And I hope you'll write these references down because you're going to need them. You're going to need them. I have books in my office which I read. And uh, I, I read for enjoyment. I have books uh, in my office that I read for instruction. And then I have some books I've probably never read the book. In fact, I got a lot of books like that in my office. <laughs> I've never read the book. But uh, I might use them for a reference. Now, the Bible is a book you got to read. And you need to read it daily. Uh, and, and, and so I encourage you, let's do that. We're, we're working at that together. In fact, we're in the book of Job in the Old Testament, the book of Acts in the New Testament, in our daily Bible reading. If you're not caught up, then start today and jump in, all right? You don't worry about trying to get caught up, just start and uh, get in with us. Uh, but uh, the Bible's a book to be read every day. And God knows what we need each day. And God speaks to us uniquely through His Word each day. And then... Uh, not only that, we find that there are systematic truths that we, develop, that we learn from the Scripture that we should hold on to and keep them uh, as a reference because we're going to need them at some point. And so they guide us and they help us. And, and so here we have the Scripture uh, that is helping us know how we ought to speak and how we ought to think before we speak. And uh, so we see in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, uh, here, here the Apostle Paul is dealing, he's going to deal, he's dealing with the walk of the believer and he's going to uh, deal in particular in the next few verses with the context of the home, the relationship of the husband and the wife and the children. He'll also deal with the relationship of the servant and his master. In Ephesians 5 and verse 18 he says this, And be not drunk with wine. Uh, Ephesus was known for drunkenness. And so he says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice again in verse number 19, the first natural thing that comes as a result of being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so uh, here is, here is uh, the first consideration that we uh, have as we think about our words and the ponderings which guide our words. Number one, before speaking, ask, have I prayed about what to say? Have I prayed about what to say? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And what spirit am I speaking in? So before speaking, ask, have I prayed about what to say? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And with what spirit am I speaking? Now the Bible tells us we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm yielded uh, and submitted and surrendered 
to the Holy Spirit. By the way, that is not a once and for all act. Now, we're filled with the Holy Spirit when we get saved. The Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. And He doesn't leave us. He doesn't depart from us. But let me say this to you. But the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. You see, the Spirit of God doesn't move in and out of you. Once He comes and take up, takes up residence, you are His and you are forever His. Now, your sin does not separate you. I'm talking about your sin as a Christian. Your sin does not separate you from God in the sense of your relationship to Him. You always will belong to Him. And so the Spirit of God won't leave you. But let me tell you what you can do with your sin. Your sin will hurt you in your walk, in your relationship with God. And... You will no longer be filled with the Spirit because you'll be filled with self. You'll be filled with your pride and filled with your sin and, and filled with uh, all, all, all of the things that are unpleasing to the Lord. And the Spirit of God uh, will no longer be in full control of you because you have allowed the sin and pride and, and the spirit of this world to take control of your life. You've heard the phrase, do not lose control of your temper. If you're filled with the Spirit, depending on God, you won't. You say, well, I have to say what I have to say. You don't understand. That's the way I'm made. No, uh, if you yield to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit fills you, you don't have to say what you think you have to say. In fact, you can say what he wants you to say. And you might even be amazed at what's coming out of your mouth. In fact, you will be. So before speaking, ask the question, have I prayed about what to say? <laughs> so often we just react and we, we're quick to speak. And uh, the Bible tells us that we should be quick to hear, but slow to speak, right? And so we need, to, we need to ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill us. We, we need to seek the Lord about what to say and in what spirit it should be spoken. You know, sometimes you can say the right thing in the wrong spirit and be wrong. You can say the right thing in the wrong spirit and still be wrong. And the person you're speaking to won't receive it like they should. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 1, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I think about Nehemiah, he's in the castle and the king says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? What did Nehemiah do? He prayed. The king said, Nehemiah, what, what do you want? What, what are you making requests for? What did Nehemiah do? He prayed and the God of heaven gave him the answer. The God of heaven directed him in what to say. You see, here's a man who was filled with the Spirit of God, walking in the presence of God and depending on God. And before he spoke, he considered the question, have I prayed about this? Am I filled with the Spirit? Am I speaking in the right spirit? That's number one. Let me give you number two. Before speaking, ask, do I have all the facts? Before speaking, ask, do I have all the facts? In Jude, verse number 10, 
The Bible speaks of the generation uh, that we're living in, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. We, we find in our world that everybody has an opinion and everybody has something to say. And Jude's point here is that they're speaking about the things that they do not know. They think they know, but they don't know. And we see that evidenced every day in the political arena, in the social discourse, in the trends, in the new morality uh, of, of this age. And there is a new morality. Have you understood that there is a new morality? There is a new right and a new wrong. It's not defined by words on a page. It's certainly not defined by scripture. It is defined by the trend of the hour. It is defined by the thoughts of the professors in the universities. It is defined by the entertainers. It is defined uh, by that group of people. It is a new morality. And the Bible says they are speaking evil of those things which they know not. Do you know what they speak evil the most of? What you and I believe to be true. The Bible, the word of God. And so we find here that before we speak, we're to ask the question, do I have the facts? Do I have understanding before I inject myself, before I make a judgment, before I just fly off the handle and say whatever comes to my mind, maybe I should bother to get the facts. Proverbs 15 and verse 2, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. He gains knowledge. He, he takes the time to learn the facts, to investigate, to get the whole story. By the way, always remember this. There are always two sides to every story. In fact, there are often three. There's side one, side two, and the truth. And it's difficult work to get the truth. And sometimes we just open our mouths and begin to say what we think when we don't have the facts. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame to him. Well, you know, did you hear what was said? Well, let me tell you, I just can't believe that. Let me tell you what I think about that. And before you know it, man, you've got the whole town talking about something that's not even true. They don't have the facts right. Just talk, talk, talk. And then once all that's been done, do you know there's no way to undo it? There's no way to undo it. If you come to people with the truth and say, wait a minute, that's not exactly right. That's, I mean, you might have had some elements of it, but you jumped to the wrong conclusion. Here's the whole story. Then they're going to say, oh, well, yeah, what else is they going to say? Do you see? That's the climate and the culture we live in. Everybody's distrusting. And so we need to be careful that before we speak, we need to ask this question. Do I have all the facts? Let me give you number three. Before speaking, ask, am I speaking to the right people? 
Go with me to the Gospel according to Matthew in the 18th chapter. Before speaking, ask the question, am I speaking to the right people? Now that's important, isn't it? To speak to the right people. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him. What's the next word? What is that word? Can somebody tell me what that means? How many of you think you understand what that word means? Now, that means if, I've got, if somebody's got a problem with me and I've got a problem with someone, and he's dealing with the context of believers here, he says the first thing I should do is go and tell my brother or my sister whom I'm offended in or with alone. Well, wait a minute. That's, that's not what I'm used to. Is that what you're used to? My experience is that when somebody's offended with someone, here, they usually go to two or three of their friends. And they say, I want you to know this person has done this. And if you're my friend, you'll feel really bad for me and you'll take up for me and you'll get on my side. That's really the motive, isn't it? Sure it is. And that causes division and that causes all sorts of problems. And Jesus says here in Matthew 18 and verse 15, If thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. That's step number one. Step number one is go to the person you have an issue with. Actually, step number one we've already covered. Pray about it. Speak to God first. Speak to God first. You know, when somebody offends you, understand this. Um, it may not be that big a deal. It may not be that big a deal. We should be dead to self. We, we got to learn that. And you know, God teaches us that. It's a hard lesson to learn. And then if it is a big deal, you know, you know have you ever been angry about something and, and, or been disturbed about something and you went to bed that night and then you woke up the next morning and you had a fresh perspective? Actually, you know, you went to sleep. You know what that'll do? That'll give you a new perspective, won't it? Every day gives us a new perspective. And so the thing to do is seek the Lord about it. Talk to Him first. Sleep on it. If it is important, it'll still be with you. And you'll need to deal with it. And if you do need to deal with it, then the next thing you do is go to the person you have an issue with alone. You can write that in big, bold capital letters and underline it three times alone. Now notice what he says in verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, okay, now there's a problem. I've gone to the person that's causing the problem, but now there's another problem. He won't hear me. 
Then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now that is an important thing. Get, get some neutral people. Don't find the buddies that are going to take your side. Get some neutral people and say, look, we've got an issue. I need a little help. I need a little wisdom. By the way, that's what part of being a church is for. Do you know that when we, when we come into the church family, we submit one to another. There's accountability here. That's what church membership provides. Accountability. I know a lot of people don't want accountability. But we should be accountable. We're number one, accountable to Christ, right? Number two, we're accountable to one another. And people don't like accountability. It makes them very uncomfortable. But it's the biblical way. It's the biblical pattern. And so you take, get two or three uh, or one or two witnesses to come in and listen to the conversation so that every word may be established. Now, that's a wise thing to do because if you don't do that, it becomes, well, I heard it this way and I heard it that way and this is what he said and this is what they said. And there's no way to solve that problem. But if there's someone there who's neutral who has heard every word, then that provides accountability for me so I can't run out and try to tilt it my way and slant it my way and gain and curry favor with others who I want to set at variance or at odds against the other party. Boy, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible, isn't it? It's God's wisdom. If he will not hear thee, take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and if he shall neglect to hear thee tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican so here's the pattern speak to the Lord then speak to those with whom you have an issue third speak to one or two more witnesses finally speak to those to whom you're accountable if it's that important of an issue and it's that major of an issue, then it goes to the church. And by the way, if I'm a spiritual person, a mature person, then I'm going to submit to what the church has to say to me. You know, there is spiritual authority for our lives and it's for our good. And I'm not speaking in particular of the role of the pastor here. I'm speaking in our accountability to one another under the headship of Christ. And the direction of the Holy Spirit. And when we're not willing to submit to that. And do it God's way. Then we're out of order. Amen. Now what I'm preaching is from the Bible. I just want to, back, I just want to make that point. This is biblical preaching. It's not easy to practice. But it's biblical preaching. Number one, before speaking, ask, have I prayed about this? Am I filled with the Spirit? In what spirit am I speaking? Number two, do I have all the facts? Number three, am I speaking to the right people? If I'm not speaking to the right people, then I don't need to speak to them. The first thing we ought to do is talk to the people, again, that we think we're going to curry favor with. We don't need to murmur, we don't need to complain, and we don't need to gossip. You don't need to involve this whole church in your issue with somebody else. No. Number four. Before speaking, ask this question. Have I considered that I am accountable to God for my words? 
I always think about what my grandmother used to tell me. That I'll be held accountable for every idle word. Where'd she get that? From the Bible. From Jesus. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. Psalm 139 and verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Think about how many words we utter. And think about the things that we casually say. Or the things that we say in the wrong spirit. We're accountable to God for it. Every idle word. Number five. Before speaking, ask, am I speaking out of anger? Now we just looked at the subject of God's answer to anger. And so many times when we speak, if especially in a situation where we're frustrated, we're not getting our way, somebody's offended us, we can speak out of anger. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So that bitterness, that's the hurt. It grows in us. It causes bitterness in us. It causes wrath. That's boiling inside. Anger begins to rise up in us. And then anger, that's what spills out of us. And the clamor, that clamor accompanies the anger. That's the loud uh, raising of the voice and the harsh words and the harsh tones. Uh, that's the clamor. And evil speaking, that is uh, impugning one's character, slandering one. And he said, put it away with all malice. That's wishing evil on someone. And be ye kind one to another. Well, how do you express kindness? With your words. There are the ways you can express it, but your words primarily express kindness. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. By the way, this should be practiced in your marriage. And my wife said, Amen. <laughs> Number six. Before speaking, ask, what is my motivation for speaking? Now, this is closely, uh, closely uh, related to uh, the, the previous point uh, uh, where we ask, am I filled with the Spirit? But before speaking, ask, what is my motivation for speaking? In other words, if I'm talking to somebody about something that's happened to me, I'm following the biblical pattern. If I'm not following the biblical pattern, then I know what my motivation is. But if I'm speaking to the person who's offended me, what should be my motivation? Should it be to let them know how low down they are? No, it should be to establish the fact that there's a disagreement and, and, the, and, and help them understand where I'm coming from and how I, I believe that I've been offended and then to listen to what they have to say so that we can be reconciled in our relationship. That ought to be my motivation. That's the motivation for church discipline. It's not to ostracize people and make them feel bad. 
It is to reconcile them back into the right relationship with God and with God's people. And so we have to ask the question, what's my motivation? Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Maybe my motivation is just to make them look bad and make me look good. As, as I mentioned a moment ago, to curry favor for me and, and cause problems for them. So ask, what is my motivation? Number seven, before speaking, ask, will my words edify those who will hear me? Will my words edify those who will hear me? Ephesians 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What does the word edify mean? It means to build up. It means to strengthen. It means to encourage, to exhort. And so the words that I am to use are to be words which will edify. Now, if somebody's offended me and I want to come to them with the problem, how can that be used for edification? Well, first of all, by addressing the fact that there is a problem and speaking about the fact that I want that problem to be corrected. Not that I just want you to know that you're a low-down, dirty, rotten bum. No, I want you to know that you're my brother or my sister in Christ and that I want to have the right relationship with you. Amen. That's edification. Right. And so we're to speak the words that edify, that build up one another. Well, did you hear about so-and-so? And if you haven't, that's probably the best thing, amen? The best response there might be to say, no, and I don't really want to know. But when somebody has something to say about so-and-so, we need to be mature enough to turn that conversation from tearing one another down to edifying and building up. Colossians 4 and verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I need words of grace seasoned with salt. I'm not to allow this corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth. And so let's make sure that my words will edify those who will hear me. If those words will not edify or contribute to the edification of another, then I have to keep my mouth closed. By the way, I'm not doing too good on this test, are you? Number eight, before speaking, ask, are my words expressing faith? Are my words expressing faith? The just shall live by what? Faith. Romans 14 and verse 23, for whatsoever is not of faith is what is it? Sin. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Here's, a, here's the way to ask this. Do my words cast doubt? Do my words cast doubt? Have you ever been around somebody and talked to somebody that just sort of makes you feel like, 
oh my goodness, this whole thing's about to fall apart. There's no hope. You know, I, I really had confidence over brother so-and-so, but after I talked to this person, I, I don't know if I got any confidence in them or not. You see, that does not express faith. There is no hope in that. That only casts doubt. And that doubt causes disputations. It causes, it causes uh, uh, divisions. It causes a loss of confidence and, and a loss of faith. And so uh, we have to ask, are my words expressing faith? This happens often when we think about ministry and stepping out. Well, we're going to have Bible school. Well, I don't know how we're going to do it. We only have three or four weeks for it. I don't know how we're going to do it. Oh, everybody's going to be on vacation. I don't know how we're going to do it. There's nobody going to be in the choir next Sunday. I don't know how we're going to do it. Please don't say those things around me. That really discourages me. Here's a better thing to say. With God's power and God's strength, we are going to be obedient to the Lord and God's going to bless and God's going to do it. Don't be a Debbie Downer. If your name's Debbie, I'm sorry. <laughs> be hopeful. Be positive. I'm not talking about Norman Vincent Peale positive. I'm talking about believing God and being expected and having faith that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think. The Lord's been good to us here. But I want to tell you the challenges aren't over. And there's steps that we need to take as a church to move forward for the glory of God. And we're going to have to be, we're going to, have to be people Filled with faith to see God do what needs to be, what He wants to do in this place. So before speaking, ask, are my words expressing faith? Number nine, before speaking, ask, does it really need to be said? <laughs> Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? I'm a preacher. And I talk a lot. And then I have meetings with people. And I talk to them. And we have staff meetings and I talk to them. And we, we have people that need counseling and, and I'll talk to them. I'll go to the hospital and I'll, I'll talk to people in their room. I, I, I go home and, and, and I talk to my wife and I, I talk to my kids. Do you know I get sick of hearing myself talk. If you get sick of it, don't tell me, all right? <laughs> Just talk, 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 talk. And you know, you can get careless if you're not careful. You can get careless about what you're saying because you're just used to talking. I've been in counseling situations trying to help people and I'm anticipating what they're going to say and I think I know what's going to happen and I'll just start talking and I think later on, just be quiet. Do you ever do that? Oh, it's just me. Y'all have left me up here by myself. <laughs> we all do that, don't we? Are the words I'm speaking necessary? 
Do they really need to be said? Now, by the way, gentlemen, that doesn't give you an excuse to sit at home and not talk to your wife, okay? But is it really necessary to say what I'm saying? Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Oh, I've learned this is true. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. You get a group of people together and they just start, you know, chit-chatting. Isn't it amazing how a lot of the time that turns into a very negative conversation? In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, there's no shortage of sin when you've got a lot of words being spoken. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. You ever notice that guy? He didn't say much. Hey, he's a wise guy. He's a wise guy. Not the way we normally mean it. So before speaking, ask, does it have to be said? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 3, a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 13, and with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. It doesn't have to be said. In verse, in number 10, let me give you number 10. This is the last one. Before speaking, ask, am I willing to be accountable for my words and to bear the consequences of my words? Proverbs 21 and verse 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. You ever heard the old phrase a little birdie told me? How'd you find out? A little bird told me. A little bird told me. It's amazing how many little birds are flying around, isn't it? And they're always flying around in earshot of the foolish things that we say. Aren't they? And we like to say this. something but you got to promise me you won't say anything because I don't want anybody to know it came from me that's a good sign nobody wants to be held accountable for what they're saying you know what makes us very uncomfortable is when somebody discovers what we said and they speak to us about it. Well, I, 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 uh, I, I didn't really, well, I didn't, well, I didn't, uh, and, you know, it can go a thousand different ways from there, right? And by the way, we're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. Hey, we're all guilty of this. Before speaking, ask, am I willing to be accountable for my words? Am I willing to bear the consequences of what I'm saying? Well, I, I, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. 
Well, what did you think was going to happen? And see, the problem is we didn't think. We didn't think before we spoke. And God is speaking to us about thinking about what we say. And allowing him to filter our words. You know, when you put the coffee into the, into the coffee maker, you don't get all the potency of the coffee. I don't think. Probably a good thing that you don't. You'd be wired all day. It'd be so bitter you couldn't drink it. But there's a filter. And that filter holds some of that in. We need to filter our words, our thoughts through the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God and allow God to filter out the things that don't need to be said so that what is said becomes something that is appealing and edifying to God's people. So let's put our filter on. By the way, we're going to have to carry this filter around with us. And we're going to have to refer back to it time after time. How many of you have ever bought one of those uh, assemble yourself pieces of furniture? Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a direction sheet. And sometimes we think we can assemble it without the directions. And we'll say, things, well, I don't know why that thing's there, but I don't need that part. <laughs> or we'll put it on backwards only to discover the way the holes are drilled. We really need to put it on the right way. We get out of order. That's why we have to go back to the, the sheet. We've got to go back to the Word of God, to the instruction. And we've got to learn to practice this on a daily basis. It's going to be intentional if we do it. It's going to be intentional. And so maybe it'd be good for us to listen to these sermons again. Not that they're the greatest sermons by any means, but we need to listen to the truth. Maybe we need to get our notebooks out and we need to, we need to meditate again on these passages. Maybe we need to start committing these things to memory. Actually, there's no maybe to it. This is, this is what we need to do. And we need to discuss it in our homes and, and with our spouses. And, and we need to work on it. And we need to listen to our spouses when, and, and, and our friends and our loved ones who God has placed there in our lives to encourage us so that when, we, when we're spoken to about it, we don't just say, I don't want to hear that. No, we need to humble ourselves and understand that we do need to hear that. And we do need to respond to that. Because we want to glorify God in our home and in our lives. And we all need to work on it. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website tabernaclehickory.org that is tabernaclehickory 
www.ebenezerchurch.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.